Today, we're looking back at 2021 from the attack on the Capitol to the ongoing fight against COVID-19. See what state and local leaders have been saying about this unprecedented year. And we'll talk with our panel about what this past year meant to them. It's all ahead right now on a special edition of In Focus. It's the first case that we've detected, but it won't certainly be the last. Highly transmissible, but we have uh, the tools necessary to stay safe and to stay out of the hospital or worse. And so I would just encourage everyone to get vaccinated. That was Governor Holcomb on Monday talking about the rapidly spreading Omicron variant, which has now been detected here in the state of Indiana, something President Biden addressed as well in a speech to the nation on Tuesday. How concerned should you be about Omicron, which is now the dominant variant in this country and it happened so quickly? The answer is straightforward. If you're not fully vaccinated, you have good reason to be concerned. That was President Biden on Tuesday. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope you had a great Christmas. Today we're looking back at 2021, another year full of unprecedented challenges, many of which are still ongoing amidst this surging pandemic. And we'll talk more about that today as well. But we start our look back at 2021 in early January with the events that transpired in the nation's capital on January the 6th. All Vice President Pence has to do is send it back to the states to recertify. It was heartbreaking and crushing for everybody from Indiana and from our country. But to be honest with you, um, the the attack was not um, unexpected to me. I thought that something like that might happen. Do you have any regrets, though, over the way all of this was handled by Republicans leading up to that day with with the way the election results were questioned, perhaps leading to some of the anger in that riot that unfolded? You know, Dan, my uh, intention all along never was on record of saying overturning the results or decertifying. Donald Trump refused to stop this violent mob after pledging to, 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 to march with them. You know, no one is above the law and Donald Trump must be tried and convicted by the Senate to ensure that no future president ever thinks that he or she do the same thing and get away with it. It was a whirlwind day for the president and vice president Kamala Harris, who was sworn in as the first female, first black American and first South Asian American to hold the office. So help me God. On the west front of the U.S. Capitol, President Biden gave his first address, laying out his hope for the next four years. And set our sights on the nation we know we can be and we must be. It's a sign that, hey, you know what? The noise is over, the shutting is over. We have some serious issues in this country. We have a pandemic we have to get through. There are so many um, historic elements um, ranging from the fact that two weeks ago, the site of the swearing in uh, was the site of a violent uh, insurrection where people died. Um, so you, you have that juxtaposition of the two, but it is also a really um, unique opportunity in this country uh, for unity. 
that was at least the hope at the start of the year after everything that had transpired. And it was a new start that again featured a number of prominent Hoosiers, just as there were in the last administration. President Biden's chief of staff and Indianapolis native Ron Klain. He had worked under Biden previously and had served as the Ebola czar in the Obama administration, now in one of the most powerful jobs in Washington. And of course, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, the former South Bend mayor and former candidate for president, becoming the first openly gay Senate-confirmed cabinet member. Senator Todd Young was there with him at his confirmation hearing. In March, I spoke with Secretary Buttigieg in his first Indiana TV interview after taking office in D.C. What is life like for you there in the nation's capital, and what has surprised you the most about the journey along the way? Well, uh, Indiana still feels like home to me, but uh, things are going well here in Washington. We're working hard to deliver an American rescue plan that's going to lift millions of Americans out of poverty and help us beat COVID. And uh, it's an example of the kind of action uh, that, uh, uh, that we came here to do. That was from our path out of the pandemic town hall back in March with several members of our congressional delegation. No doubt the pandemic has continued to be top of mind throughout the year, even if at times things seem to be getting better. Our numbers up and down over the course of 2021 in the midst of another surge now. Back in the spring, I had the chance to talk one-on-one -on -one with Dr. Anthony Fauci just as the vaccines were starting to go out to more and more Americans. He's the nation's leading infectious disease expert, and now a household name that everyone's come to know. Dr. Fauci, hello. Hello, how are you? So what does Dr. Anthony Fauci have to say about the pandemic's impact on Indiana and the race to vaccinate Hoosiers? The more people we get vaccinated every single day, if we can keep that up, there will be a turning around that you will see right now. We're still seeing a number of um, infections per day. Why is that? And, and what's your message to people in states like Indiana, where some of the guidelines have now been rolled back, including our, our mask mandate? Do you think that was a mistake? Well, I mean, I, I don't want to be pointing fingers except to say that we do not want to declare victory prematurely. We all want to get to a point where we could start approaching some degree of normality. And the best way to do that is to get vaccinated. Now, Indiana has continued to lag behind other states when it comes to vaccinations. Earlier this year, I had the chance to ask RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel about the effort to vaccinate Americans and the former president's role in that process. Well, there was nobody more vocal about the vaccine than President Trump. And Democrats continued to sow doubt about it because he was in office. And I think it would have been helpful if President Biden had come in and said, I want to thank President Trump. This is a bipartisan effort. We need to work together. And you really haven't seen that. Well, I think from the beginning of the pandemic to now, you've seen Republicans really playing politics when it comes to science and with people's lives. Um, my hope is that it's sort of caught up to the point where um, they feel the need to uh, urge their constituents, urge residents to get vaccinated. Now, this year, we also spoke with National DNC Chair Jamie Harrison. As you know, history has shown the first midterm after a president is elected can be challenging for the president's party here in Indiana. We've got Senator Todd Young up for re-election, and he's had strong support in the past. So what are you and your party doing to try to avoid losing control of Congress to the Republicans next year? Well, you know, I'm very fortunate that we have such a great Indiana Democratic Party uh, chaired by Mike Schmuel, who's doing such a fantastic job of going into areas that Democrats uh, have not gone to in a long time to make sure that the message of how we have delivered for the people uh, is actually getting out there. 
our Kristen Eskow there with DNC Chair Jamie Harrison. Of course, this past year, we also saw a legal battle at the State House over the state's emergency powers between the governor, the General Assembly, and the Attorney General. I also want to ask you about the separation of powers lawsuit against the General Assembly, now heading to the Indiana Supreme Court. Can you still work with legislative leadership and get things done this session as that lawsuit is decided by the court? Emphatically, the answer is yes. Uh, I am. I think it was just evidenced. Uh, you know, I worked with them on here's three ways to end the public health emergency. Uh, they agreed with that. I worked, I was with the speaker this morning. So um, there are very good relations um, and there will continue to be. Uh, the Supreme Court certainly has already um, uh, given notion to our claim that there's really no emergency here. We expected that the governor uh, might appeal. He said he just wanted guidance on the issue. He got that guidance from a lower court. Turns out he didn't like the guidance. Uh, so we're all going to be paying now to keep defending that lawsuit. All right, we'll see how it all plays out here in the year to come. Another big issue in 2021 in major cities across the country, including Indianapolis, was the issue of violent crime happening again this past year in record numbers. Earlier this year, our Courtney Crown spoke one-on-one -on -one with Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett. They're laying their loved ones to rest. What do you tell them about is help on the way? Well, yes, obviously it is. Uh, and it's going to be help that's on the way at levels and at a scope and at a scale that the city of Indianapolis has never before seen. I'm prepared to do anything and everything I can in the time I have remaining as mayor uh, to eradicate the scourge of gun violence to the extent that we can. All right, just to look back there at some of the major stories from this past year. Coming up next, we'll talk with our panel about this past year in politics, from the January 6th attacks to the ongoing fight against COVID. Plus, reaction to Senator Joe Manchin's decision this past week not to support the Build Back Better bill. We're back with more right after this. I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin announcing he will not support the Build Back Better bill in an interview last week with Fox News Sunday. Welcome back. We're joined now by our panel, Mike Murphy, Jennifer Wagner, Abdul Hakeem Shabazz, and Adam Wren. Mike, today we're looking back at 2021. It was a year that started with a lot of promise for this new administration. Now the news last week on Senator Manchin rejecting Build Back Better, this rising new threat of COVID-19 and Omicron. This is now a White House with a lot on its plate as we reach the end of the year. That's exactly right, Dan. Uh, and I can tell you that thank God for Joe Manchin. He is single-handedly going to save our children and our grandchildren trillions of dollars in principle and in interest going over for the, for the foreseeable future, frankly. Um, it, it had the potential to uh, destroy our ability to defend our country, to uh, build the infrastructure that the bill just passed authorized and other things as well. And and again, I, I take my hat off to uh, Joe Manchin. Um, he's a true patriot. We'll see if talks uh, continue in some form or fashion. Jennifer, your response to what Mike said there. And how, how did we get to this point uh, with, with the administration uh, struggling on a number of fronts now? Well, it probably won't surprise you that I have a slightly different response to what Joe Manchin did last week. Um, you know, there is so much good stuff in Build Back Butter um, that you know, I, I think has gotten lost amidst all the partisan mudslinging. Um, and I think he came down on the wrong side of history. I mean, there are so many provisions in there that would help uh, lower income moms um, have access to childcare 
and, you know, really be a right, right step in the right direction for uh, tackling climate change. And I'm really hopeful that we can you know, get some of those provisions out of there and maybe keep them alive. Um, it's very frustrating what he did. The president, of course, uh, speaking Tuesday about COVID-19. We're also uh, still waiting to see how these vaccine mandates and mandate restrictions that have been proposed play out at the state level and the federal level. And Abdul, as we look back at this past year, that fight over vaccination really seems to be the defining battle of 2021 in many ways and one that the medical community continues to be very bothered by in terms of how much it's been politicized. Exactly. Uh, something else to keep in mind, too, uh, in November, uh, there were six states uh, that were basically half the hospitalizations due to COVID-19, unvaccinated, and Indiana was one of them. I mean, that, that ought to tell you something. But the problem is, is that you know, we're, our economy's coming along, we're doing fine. There's people who will not get vaccinated for political reasons or medical reasons or whatever it is, and that is the issue. And it, it is the walking Petri dishes who will not get vaccinated. We did see former President Trump uh, this past week acknowledge that he had received his booster shot. President Biden mentioning that in his speech on Tuesday as well. Adam, these battles over COVID policy, also a big part of what led to all this discord at the statehouse between the governor, the AG, and the legislature over the governor's emergency powers. Yeah, that's right, Dan. I think one of the biggest stories of the year is the intra-party conflict, uh, particularly in the Indiana GOP, but also at the national GOP level over this issue of, of vaccinations. Um, you know, there's the saying, more money, more problems, but more majorities, more problems. And with a supermajority at the statehouse, it's a particularly difficult issue for them to navigate because it really pits a traditional GOP interest like business um, against other, you know, sort of more social conservative uh, movements who who sort of oppose this this vaccination. So it's problematic for the GOP, and we'll be interesting to see how it unfolds in January. Mike, your response to all that, and, and what else stood out to you as we look back at 2021? Well, I think two things stood out. First, as Adam said, the, the battle between uh, Governor Holcomb and the uh, Republican supermajorities, um, I think that it's a, it's a classic... Uh, um, standoff between individual liberty and the rights of, of businesses to control their own uh, property and the health of their employees and the governor's constitutional right to decide when the legislature comes into a general session, into a special session. Obviously, uh, later this year, at some point, the Supreme Court will decide at least one of those two. The other thing that stands out is just the 700-pound gorilla in the room, so to speak, is the unprecedented record-breaking murder rate in this city. It is uh, unequaled in most cities in America. I think we're one of the 12 worst in the country. And we have 500 residents of Indianapolis who've been murdered in the last two years. If that happened in Meridian Kessler, the governor would have the National Guard out patrolling Washington Boulevard. But because it's happening in poor neighborhoods to poor people, nobody seems to care. Uh, Jennifer, as uh, you look back at this past year, what else defined 2021 in your view? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously the pandemic has overshadowed everything. Um, and as someone who has school-aged kids on here um, on this panel, I, I think that, you know, we can't underestimate the effect um, that it has had being in school, out of school, closed schools, open schools, masks and no masks uh, on our kids. And, you know, we're now going into year three of this. And I really you know, can't over overstate how important it is that we make sure that we are supporting them going forward um, from a mental health standpoint and also academically to make sure that we can get beyond this. Yeah, no doubt about that. Abdul, what, what else uh, stood out to you this past year? 
Well, obviously, I agree with Jen and Mike. The pandemic was obviously the, the big story of the year from, from multiple different perspectives. But also, I think, too, the fact that we're almost sort of seeing sort of two uh, sort of Indianas here. Indiana that is doing well and Indiana that is not doing well. We've got poverty issues in the state. Uh, we have food deserts in the state. But also, we have jobs that pay 20, 30 bucks an hour. And it, it goes underline that skills gap uh, that lawmakers are really going to have to work on uh, come next year when they come back in January uh, to, to address and deal with because we can close the skills gap we can solve a lot of a lot of the rest of our issues. Adam, a number of other uh, big stories this past year. We mentioned at the outset, January 6th, a couple of big Hoosier names in, in this new administration. Uh, what else stood out to you in 2021? Yeah, I think if the Biden administration made any huge significant misstep uh, as they approached the end of the year and really at the beginning of the year, it was sort of the expectations game that they failed to play. Um, Look, if if the president would have just passed the infrastructure, the bipartisan infrastructure law, uh, which will splash money across this, the 50 states in a historic way, that and, and the COVID relief uh, deal at the beginning of the administration, those two victories would have been incredibly significant. Uh, but to sort of also, you know, try to be this FDR-like figure and go after Build Back Better and, and really talk that up as an issue and then to come up empty-handed, it's it's cl- the classic over-promising and under-delivering to your own constituency, to your own base. And so many progressives are mad at at him. You know, secondly, this infrastructure bill is really going to change the landscape of the country. And to watch how it's going to be spent and implemented over the next several years by Secretary Buttigieg, the implementation uh, infrastructure coordinator, Mitch Landrieu and others, is really going to be a a significant story in the same way that the Recovery Act in 2009 was. And I do think 2022 could be more difficult for Secretary Buttigieg, uh, particularly if the House Republicans win back the House, because they're going to exercise much more oversight over him, you know, subpoenaing documents. And it could be really politically fraught for him, uh, even though he had a good year in 2021. So he could be heading into some choppy waters, I think, next year. So we're not only recapping 2021 today, but looking ahead to 2022. As Adam just mentioned, Mike, what are you keeping your eye on here as we head into this midterm election year? Well, I think uh, nationwide, of course, as as Jennifer and everybody has said, you know, how do we continue to manage the the virus or or get around the virus managing us, I might say. Um, Here in Indiana, the governor's done an outstanding job of leading, following the science, coming down in the middle between individual rights and, and employer rights, as I think he should do. Um, but I think going forward, not just into 2022, but into 2023, which the governor is already thinking about, I think you'll see some major mental health and public health infrastructure investments in the next budget year. I think we have, a, what, a $5 billion surplus. We have more money than we know what to do with in some ways. And I think the governor is going to have some big plans that I think will be helpful from the Ohio River to to Lake Michigan. Jennifer, you get the last word here. What are you watching for uh, moving into 2022? Well, what I'm hoping for is that we can have that unity that was discussed earlier in the show. But what I anticipate in 2022 are incredibly divisive partisan primaries, probably on the Republican side, leading up to some very, very contentious races next November in the midterm. Um, And, you know, I think... Obviously, there's a good opportunity for Republicans to pick up some seats. Um, there's also a good opportunity for Democrats to show what they've done this year for their constituents and for all Americans. Okay, we'll check in with our panel again at the end of the program. Coming up next, we're hearing from local medical experts and health officials on the front lines of this fight against the Omicron variant of COVID-19. 
Well, between COVID-19 patients and other emergencies, frontline medical workers say they are simply tired and strained to the brink this holiday season. This week, we spoke with a number of experts and health officials to get a look at what they're seeing on the front lines. If you're not sick, if you're not going to the hospital, you probably don't have an idea how, how the hospitals are. So we'll let people know that it's pretty bad right now. A big plea from, from every doctor and every nurse in the city to really help do what you can to help us so we can help you. A number of local medical systems took out an ad in the Indy Star last Sunday pleading with people to do their part and get vaccinated. We also spoke this week with a number of medical experts to get their sense of where we're headed next. It's really infectious and spreading quickly, especially among the unvaccinated. Some early studies out of South Africa and the UK have indicated this is a much more infectious variant. In other words, it's easier to catch. Whether it's indeed milder or not, state health officials do expect this Omicron variant will quickly become the dominant variant of this virus by next month here in the Hoosier State, if not sooner. Federal health officials say the variant has surged around the country and has already accounted for nearly three quarters of all new infections reported last week. Though the variant hasn't been reported to the same extent here in the Hoosier State, at least not yet. Stick around. We're back to wrap things up right after this. All right, time for winners and losers. This year's winners and losers. Jennifer, I'll start with you. Yeah, my winners this year are everybody who showed up from food service workers to healthcare workers to teachers, the folks who showed up day after day doing really difficult jobs in the face of a global pandemic and a national pandemic. And my loser, the losers, I should say, are the folks who just won't get vaccinated. The science is there. We can really nip this thing in the bud. And I really hope that 2022 uh, is a better year than 2021 in terms of folks getting the jab. Mike? I have two winners for many of the same reasons. That is individual courage. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence uh, single-handedly stopped what could have been a coup d'etat on January 6th and saved our democracy. And then, like the same way, Joe Manchin, in, in the financial way, is stopping us from drowning in national debt for the next several generations. Again, personal courage. Adam. In a real politics sense, no two Hoosiers did more to improve their standing on the national stage with their own parties than Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg and Jim Banks of the 3rd District, who will likely be mentioned in the coming years as a Speaker of House candidate. All right, Abdul. Uh, Governor Eric Holcomb is my winner of the year. Uh, navigating the state through the pandemic, approval ratings uh, in the mid-60s and my losers of the year are the people who, when I get vaccinated, I don't know what your problem is. All right, we're going to leave it there. Hope you had a great holiday. We'll see you again in the new year. Thanks for joining us.